This month, uh, as I said earlier, we're in this series called Spirit Source, and I've got a theme uh, Bible verse for us for this month. It's Acts chapter 1, verse 5. Uh, and um, so here it is. You see it on the screen. Um, Jesus here is it's after his resurrection. He's about to ascend into heaven, but he talks to his disciples, and he gives them this promise. And the John, the person John that he's talking about here is John the Baptist. So I'm going to invite you to say this with me. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What a promise, huh? You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is a promise for all Christians that you'll be baptized, you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, who is the Holy Spirit? Christians believe that, that God, uh, the eternal God, exists in three persons. So I'm trying to make a triangle here between my fingers, see? Uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We call the Trinity uh, three in one because they are in complete harmony in will and purpose. So the Holy Spirit is not a thing. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Spirit moves among us, speaks to us, nudges us, draws us to Christ. The Holy Spirit is the life-giving presence of God residing in everyone who belongs to Christ. Uh, I want you to imagine a house that has uh, been lived in for many years, but it's never been cleaned. It's never been dusted or swept. The counters have never been wiped off. The dishes have never been washed. The trash has never been taken out. So this place looks, does it describe your house? No, no, no. Anyway, uh, the tra the, the, it, it's going to look terrible and smell worse, right? And you hate living in this house, but you don't know what to do. Then Jesus comes, and he's not afraid of your filth. He takes it on himself to wash the dishes, sweep the floors, dust the furnitures, wipe down the counters, and haul out the trash. Why? He's getting the house ready for its new occupant. He's preparing it to be the home of the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus didn't come just to forgive you of your sins. Did you know that? Jesus didn't come just to forgive you of your sins. He came to forgive you so that you could be a cleansed and ready home for the Holy Spirit. This morning I want to share with you an ancient prayer. It was written during the Middle Ages. We don't know who wrote it. Uh, but people for centuries have been praying this prayer. You see it there on the screen. Uh, let's, let's pray it together, shall we? Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come as the fire and burn. Come as the wind and cleanse. Come as the light and reveal. Show me my sin. Turn me around. Set me apart until I am wholly yours. I love this prayer. When I, when I was in high school, my pastor used to pray this prayer in worship almost every Sunday. Now, Ten days after Jesus ascended to heaven, about 120 of his followers gathered together for a prayer meeting, and what Jesus had promised came to pass. First, 
they, they heard a sound. The sound of a powerful wind. Now, apparently there was no wind, only the sound. And then they saw something glowing, flickering like flames that, that momentarily came to rest on each, uh, above each person's head. Now, I've never heard or seen anything like that where the Holy Spirit has come with the sound of wind or the appearance of flame. I, I've never even heard of it happening except this one time in the Bible. Then there was a third phenomenon that happened where, and this happened several times in the Bible, where the people who were being filled with the Holy Spirit uh, and their praise came out in languages they had not learned, called speaking in tongues. And speaking in tongues was particularly important on that day because Jews from various parts of the Roman Empire had, had gathered together in Jerusalem for the harvest festival called Pentecost, uh, which we celebrated last Sunday. And, and they heard these Jews from Galilee speaking in their home languages, the, you know, proclaiming the, the, the wonders of God, and it got their attention. And so Peter stood up among them and addressed them and said that, hey, these, these people aren't drunk. <laughs> this is the Holy Spirit. And they told him about Jesus and his promise. And that day, 3,000 people believed and were baptized. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and there was, and this with those 3,000, there was no wind sound, there was no flame thing. Uh, it, it doesn't even say they, if they spoke in tongues, but they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So I have this to share with you today that I think is just sort of a basic belief. The Holy Spirit has come to fill you with the presence and power of God. I mean, when, when that sinks in, it's just got to blow your mind. Let's say it together, shall we? The Holy Spirit has come to fill you with the presence and power of God. You know, the way I think about it, following Jesus without the Holy Spirit would be useless. I mean, and I think it would be really frustrating too. It'd be like, you know, trying to start your car without a battery. You're not going anywhere. Now, you might be wondering, okay, I... I think I kind of believe, I'm a believer, but I'm not really sure. Am I filled with the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit in me? How do I know? Now, I know some of you are curious about Jesus. Maybe you wouldn't, you're not really sure kind of where you are in your faith, but you, you admire him. Uh, you wonder if maybe someday he's a person you could really align with and put your faith in. And I believe that that curiosity is part of the work of the Holy Spirit drawing you in. And then when you take that big step of faith and claim Jesus as your Savior and put Him in charge of your life, that's when you become God's new creation and the Holy Spirit fills you. Now, you may or may not feel anything. You may or may not speak in tongues. But when you believe and belong to Jesus, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. For some people, uh, believing and belonging to the Holy Spirit happens in a moment, you know, like light. Yeah, there we go. Like lightning. And for others, it's real gradual, like the dawn. 
I was 16 years old when I realized that God was opening my heart and giving me an opportunity to respond. And that night I said yes to Jesus and I said, Jesus, I am so tired of running my life my own way and making a terrible mess of it. And I told him that, okay, you can have it. Here's my life. Whatever you want to do with it, I'm yours. And I asked him to make his home in me. I did not speak in tongues, but I felt something. It, it, it was weird. It, a, a sensation kind of in the core of my body. It's, it's hard to put words to it. Kind of a, a tingling energy. It only lasted a couple of seconds, but it got my attention. I go, oh, wow, something just happened. I didn't know it at the time, but I've come to believe since then that this was the Holy Spirit. Now, not everybody's experience is like that. I've got a pastor friend uh, who didn't really have any kind of moment like that in coming to Christ or the, or the Holy Spirit, but I want you to know I, I really am, I trust this guy and, and admire him. I have prayed with him many times, and I believe he is just as filled with the Holy Spirit as anybody. Uh, here's a scripture for you. Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk on wine. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So if you're going to be under the influence, <laughs> right? If you're going to be under the influence, be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Another way to translate this would be to stay filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, now, you know what a spigot is, right? A spigot, that thing that you put your garden hose onto, and, uh, or it's a, the, the, the button you push on the water cooler and, and it all drips out, you know, and won't stop dripping. Uh, or it's that little lever on the coffee maker that you, you, you flip and the coffee comes out. I mean, that's a spigot. And by, by daily surrender, we keep the spigot of the Spirit, if I could use that phrase, the spigot of the Spirit open and flowing. Uh, also in Ephesians, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we give in to bitterness and angry outbursts and gossip and any other kind of sin. And when we, when we close our hearts off to other people, we're also closing off the spigot of the Spirit. And if we're going to stay filled with the Spirit, we've got to keep that flow going, right? That, that flow open. And one of the most important ways that you can do that is through worship. Uh, the verse after this, Ephesians 5.19, goes on to tell how to do that. And it says, well, it's about how you talk with each other. For example, to, talk one an to speak to one another in psalms and, and hymns and songs from the Spirit. And then it says, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. If you want to stay filled with the Spirit, I hope that when you uh, come here to worship, that you come here to sing. You know? You know, don't, don't just, just sit there or stand there. and you, you know, Let those lips open up and put a little air through your lungs and get it going, even if it's just a joyful noise, right? Because you've you got to be, this is one of the ways you stay filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And one of the blessings that we receive from the Holy Spirit is encouragement. And that's what I want to focus on here uh, for the rest of the message. The Spirit as our source of encouragement. And I invite you to open your Bible to Acts chapter 9, uh, starting with verse 26 in the Pew Bible on page 1101. Uh, this is part of the passage Kay read for us. And, it, and just to set the stage, this is maybe a decade or so after the Holy Spirit came upon those first 120 followers on that day of Pentecost. And after that, the, the Jesus movement just mushroomed. Thousands upon thousands of people came to believe and belong to Jesus. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then, after some years, a time of persecution arose against them from the temple leadership in Jerusalem. And so, a lot of the, the Christians, they just scattered, you know, went to other cities. And uh, everywhere they went, they, they just told people about Jesus and what he had done and what he had done for them. So, the persecution had the uh, unintended effect of even spreading the message farther. And their primary persecutor was a young man named Saul. Saul uh, was rabid in his hatred for this Jesus sect, and he was determined to stamp it out. One time he traveled north to Damascus with papers from the high priest in hand, authorizing him to arrest Christians and extradite them to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus, he was stopped by a light so bright it knocked him down. And he heard a voice from the light. And Saul cried out, Who are you? And the voice said, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. The light uh, blinded Saul, so his traveling companions took him by the hand and led him the rest of the way to Damascus. For three days, he refused to eat or drink. All he could do was pray. And then Jesus spoke in a vision uh, to one of his, uh, his followers there in Damascus, telling him to go to Saul. This man, Ananias, went to Saul and laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord... Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now that is Acts chapter 9, verse 17. So uh, Saul's eyesight was immediately restored. He was baptized. He ate some food. And Saul suddenly found that he was surrounded by a whole new family in Christ. And they were thrilled that this guy who had come to persecute them was now one of them. Uh, Saul even went to the synagogues around Damascus and demonstrating from the Scripture that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Son of God. But then trouble came up. Jews who opposed him conspired to, to have him killed. So one night his friends put him in a large basket and lowered him down through a window out of the city wall so he could escape. Now, if you've got your Bible open, Acts chapter 9, follow with me on verses 26 and 27. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they 
were afraid of him. They were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, who were the Christian leaders, and told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Okay, now, now Barnabas has already been introduced to the person who's reading through the book of Acts. His, his real name is Joseph. Uh, in chapter 4, we learn that he, uh, had, he had a field that he owned, and he, he sold it and gave the money uh, to the apostles so that they could use that to bless anybody who was in need. Joseph earned the nickname Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Today, we might call him Mr. Encouragement, Right? And he encouraged the Christian leaders to trust this newly converted Saul, and he encouraged Saul to go to them. So one of the ways that the Holy Spirit encourages you is through people like Barnabas. Barnabas is filled with the Holy Spirit. Encouragement is no doubt his spiritual gift, and wherever he goes, he's encouraging people. You know, he's building them up. He, he's, he's giving them a, a better outlook on, on what's going on. And, and God has a Barnabas for you. Probably more than one. Maybe as I say that, right away your mind is thinking, okay, who would be, who would be my Barnabas or one of them? Uh, your Barnabas is going to, to lift you up. Uh, your Barnabas is going to see hope for you when, when you can't see it yourself. Barnabas believes in you, sees the best in you, and doesn't ever give up on you. And so I just want to say this. Spend time with your Barnabas. You know, hang out. Make time. Don't get too busy to be with your Barnabas. You need that kind of person in your life who encourages you and builds you up in, in your life and in your faith. Um, I want to tell you, uh, Clara was a Barnabas for me when I was a young man. Uh, she was a widow when I knew her. Uh, she's gone to be with the Lord now. When I was a seminary student, uh, of course, you know, every day you go to the, the campus center, check my mailbox, and, and once or twice a semester, I get a letter, a handwritten letter from Clara. Uh, occasionally in that letter, she'd also include uh, a check just to kind of help me a little bit with seminary expenses. Well, one time in her letter, she said that she was going to be uh, on a bus tour that was going to stop not very far from my seminary, and could I come over and say hi? Uh, and and I, can, I can still picture Clara standing there in the lobby of that hotel waiting for me. There she is, all of five foot nothing, and uh, that's probably with heels on, and silver hair, uh, a smile. Clara had a smile that almost seemed like she was always ready to burst out laughing, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and, and when she first saw you, she just had to give you a hug. Clara was that way with everybody. She was misencouragement, and it came from the Holy Spirit. You see, the more that we allow the Holy Spirit to flow through us, the more we encourage others. And when we encourage others, guess what? We are also encouraged. Anyway, back to Acts chapter 9. Saul tells the people in Jerusalem how he met 
Jesus, you know, on the road to Damascus. Saul is so bold and so convincing that he makes enemies. And they conspire to kill him again. And so his fellow uh, followers sneak him out of Jerusalem and they take him to a port city and put him on a ship to, to go back to his hometown for a while. Now skip down with me to verse 31 at the end of this section, okay? It says, and I need you to follow along with me here. Then it says, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Now, read, let's all read this last sentence together, shall we? Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. That last sentence is really significant. First, it says that they were living in the fear of the Lord. Now, we usually think the fear, of the, fear is a negative, right? But in the Bible, fear of the Lord is always a positive. It means to honor and revere uh, God. It, means that, it also means that we agree with God about what is sin. And fearing the Lord means you love the Lord so much that you never want to disobey or disappoint Him. Okay? To fear the Lord means you love God so much that you never want to disobey or disappoint Him. The believers in the Bible were like that. They, they were living in the fear of the Lord and they were encouraged by the Holy Spirit. And of course, you know, I can see kind of why they were so encouraged here. Uh, Jesus has just turned their greatest persecutor into their greatest promoter. And Saul, who was also Paul, ended up writing a third of our New Testament. Friday night, well, I was at annual conference a uh, good part of this last week. Um, Chris Eshelman was there as well as your lay member. And um, on Friday night, uh, we had our ordination service. And I'm not sure exactly how many were ordained, maybe about 15 or so. Uh, and I know four of them. And I, and I go, and just because I know those four, I was just... You know, it was just so cool. I'm so excited to have them as pastors in our conference. And it's kind of like the whole, I felt something. Like the Lord was reminding me that, that God keeps calling people into this. God keeps calling good people. And I was encouraged by the Holy Spirit. Last month, I, I went to our FaithWorks pantry one evening when it was open and, of course, wow, what, a, what an operation we've got going here. You know, it's run so smoothly and beautifully. And, and for a while, I just, I just sat in the waiting area in the chairs with our pantry patrons and struck up conversations with them, which was amazingly really easy to do. And I remember I talked with one gentleman um, who has a, he's a family of 10. He and his wife, and they have eight kids at home. I thought, wow, anybody needs this pantry, it's going to be them. But what really caught my attention that evening was the love and joy expressed by our people to our pantry patrons. I mean, it just, it just, it blew me away. It was just so beautiful to see. The Holy Spirit was working through them. And then also, um, a college student and a kindergartner walked me through the pantry. We had a little cart and everything. Walked me through as if I was one of the pantry patrons. 
kind of gave me a firsthand experience of how it all goes. It was just such a beautiful thing. I was so encouraged. Today, I want to make room for the Holy Spirit to encourage you right now. So I'm going to pause here. We're going to pause for a minute or two so you can pray. And I invite you to ask this question in your prayer. Just kind of keep it in your mind throughout your prayer. Holy Spirit, what encouragement do you have for me today? Could you, could you spend a minute or two just kind of focusing on that question, seeking and yearning throughout, throughout this? Um, Holy Spirit, what encouragement do you have for me today? So I see Shane's going to do play a little keys here and and during this time just uh just seek the lord